And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Good to be here, Dan. And Dr. John Vance, pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. Thanks for having me. Well, fellas, it's good to have you here in the studio again. Um, This program, within the milieu of history, theology, current events, seeks to answer listener questions which have come in. We have a very appropriate question today, good basic question, but uh, a deep one. And I will read part of this question that came in to us from a listener in the WFSL listening area. Um, He writes, A lady at work was saying, Jesus is not God. He's the Son of God. So as a co-worker, she's asserting that Jesus is not God. Uh, He's the Son of God. He goes on, I couldn't think of a quote from the Bible that says clearly that Jesus is God. I believe he is God from the whole concept of the Scriptures. I think the Holy Trinity, God, the Son, Holy Spirit, are all God. And he says, am I confused? The union of three divine figures in one Godhead. And he writes, help. <laughs> so we want to thank you for your note and also your, uh, your honesty. Um, sometimes questions throw us and um, things that we know in our gut, we just assume and live our lives by the truths of the Christian faith. Perhaps we're not always able to articulate the reasons why we believe them. And so, gentlemen, there's a question that's come in for you today concerning the very person of Jesus Christ. Is he God? Um, certainly we know that says that he's the Son of God. Maybe we can explain that a little bit as well. Yeah, I think one of the, the big problems is taking a term like the Son of God and using it like it would be used in the 20th century. Now, we think of somebody who's a son, well, they didn't exist before, and therefore they're, uh, they're the son. But actually, uh, when you look at the ancient uh, Greek and when they're talking about sonship, uh, that phrase meant a lot more. It actually uh, spoke to that person's actual being. In other words, You'll hear somebody say, I am not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. Mm-hmm. Well, back in those days, if you were the son of a prophet, it meant you that's what you were. Hmm. You were a prophet because that's how things went in those days. If you were the son of a carpenter, you were a carpenter. And, and by saying that phrase, it meant that's what you were. Yes, you were following uh, your family uh, occupation and... Uh, it indicated that. It's a Hebraism, mm-hmm. which means that if you say, uh, and Jesus uh, used it in this way, uh, son of God, he also used son of man, which meant he was, as we affirm, truly God and truly man. Mm-hmm. Both those phrases are indicating that. And so, yes, we need to uh, maybe explain what those phrases meant in the ancient world, as opposed to what they mean today. Uh, Furthermore, uh, it uh, uh, does not mean or imply, in Jesus' case, that he had as to his eternality, as the eternal Son of God, he had a beginning. But certainly his earthly 
humanity had a beginning in mm-hmm. the womb of the mm-hmm. Virgin Mary. That whole idea there is one I think that gets distorted. I, I know the, and I think we're probably going to talk about this a little later. But the uh, Council of Nicaea talks about being begotten, not made, in the Nicene Creed. Begotten, not made. Uh, this whole concept that he's eternally begotten from the Father. It's talking about a relationship. Yes. It's not talking about being created, but it's talking about uh, a relationship, father-son relationship, which obviously is extremely close and is something that that we can get our minds around as well as human beings. But the Bible, uh, particularly in the New Testament, uh, is quite clear that Jesus, when he is denominated the Son of God, is in fact God. Take, mm-hmm. for instance, Thomas' own confession. Uh, that is a marvelous confession there in John's Gospel, where uh, when he realizes that Jesus has been raised from the dead, what does he say? He affirms immediately, my Lord and my God. Hmm. Yeah, there's many areas where you have this, of course. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, everybody knows that the Word is Jesus Christ that's being talked about that, and it says the Word was God. Now, yeah. I, I know there'll be... Uh, I know the Jehovah's Witness argue against this and say, well, it, it doesn't have the definite article there, and therefore it should read, and the word was a God instead of uh, the Jehovah God. Um, the problem with that is, and I've yet to run into a, a Jehovah's Witness that was a Greek scholar, and uh, um, their ignorance of the Greek is great. If the article was there, the translation would be, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and God was the Word. If you put that article there, it would change that around. And that's not what he's trying to say. He's saying the Word is God, not God was the Word. Mm-hmm. Well, there's another uh, very important, I think, uh, uh, indication that those who heard Jesus in his time uh, particularly his enemies, understood exactly what he meant by the phrase, for instance, Son of God. You have that important passage in John 10, uh, a great passage uh, concerning Jesus as the shepherd of the sheep. But there's a response there in verse 33 of chapter 10. The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but because you commit blasphemy, uh, you being a man, make yourself God. <laughs> so they clearly understood his That's language. Right. And uh, the Son of God uh, phrase was understood in their day that Jesus was, in fact, uh, God. Mm-hmm. That's right. And another area where they did it, the Jewish leaders at the time of Jesus got a lot of things wrong. But one of the things they got right was Jesus was claiming to be God. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we talk about God and and Jehovah God, if you go back to the Old Testament, and, of course, Moses at the burning bush, and Moses stands and he says, well, who should I say has sent me? 
and God says, I am that I am, or Jehovah, or sometimes we pronounce it Jehovah or Yahweh, I am that I am. That's what it means, I am. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus comes in John chapter 8, and he's talking to the Pharisees, and they're going back and forth, and he's telling them that, do you destroy this temple three days, I'm going to build it up, and they say, how can you do that? It took so many years, and and they start talking about Abraham, and then Jesus turns around and says, Before Abraham was, I am. Mm-hmm. Oh, that kicked them off. And they started. <laughs> they picked up stones to stone him. Why? Because he said that he was the I am. Mm-hmm. Right. And if he was simply saying, Before Abraham was, I existed, they would say he's a crazy man. But because he said, I am, they knew he was saying he was Jehovah God, and therefore... To them it was blasphemy, and they picked up stones mm-hmm. to stone. We'll hold that thought right there. You're tuned to a plain answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Today we're talking about Jesus and how that he is God. Stay with us now. We'll be right back after this short break. You are God, and we We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Today in the studio with us, the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York, 
and Dr. John Vance, pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. Today's discussion is dealing with the person of Jesus and how that he is God. And uh, gentlemen, prior to the break, you were going through some scripture verses, and uh, let's continue, shall we? Uh, Looking at the Word of God and better understanding the person of Jesus Christ. Well, let me uh, mention uh, the book of Colossians. Uh, It is a particularly important book when it comes to the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is that uh, marvelous uh, phrase in uh, Colossians chapter 2, in that passage, which is uh, a passage concerning uh, Jesus. But uh, in in verse 9, it is a very powerful a way to put this for in him that is in in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the godhead bodily mm. now that means that what we know about god we know through a man who is also truly god who met us in our mm. history in our uh, a human culture in our flesh and in our blood It's a matter of fact, he confronts us. And who confronts us? That is God in human flesh. And Hmm. um, he is Emmanuel, God with us. Mm -hmm. And we meet Jesus Christ. You might say he is the true representation or icon of God, the only true representation and icon of God. Mm -hmm. For it is only in him that you can truly know God as Lord and Savior. I like the way you put that that Jesus confronts us. Interesting choice of words there, confronts. It's his ministry of seeking and saving the lost. It's the seeking, searching love of God. Mm. That's what Jesus is. Two weeks ago, you used the illustration from Scripture of God finding this little baby right after the baby was born and caring for that baby and protecting it and raising it up, um, baby being completely helpless, without hope, essentially, and God seeking out and caring for that little one. Jesus certainly was on a mission to do the will of his Father, which is to save us. (laughs) Well, today we're talking about, really, something referred to by theologians as the Trinity, And I'm sure, John and Mark, you'll get to that particular phrase. But in the scripture, um, here's a principle sometimes we see, and that is we don't find just one verse necessarily that settles all of our questions about a particular subject, but it requires us to read the scripture as a whole. And today we're answering a question of a listener. And you know what? In his small note to us, He was looking at the scriptures as a whole, and um, that's how he had concluded that uh, Jesus was God. And so that's an important principle, isn't it? It is an important principle, and you see a number of different things when you start looking at the scriptures as a whole, because when you look at God, you find out, well, what is God? In the beginning, God created, so God is the one who creates. What do we find about Jesus? Well, All things were made by him, and was not anything made that was made without him. That's the word. That's John 1, 3. You know, and so you go back to that, or or even Colossians 1, 15. He is the image of the invisible God. 
the firstborn of all creation. Now that, when he says the firstborn of all creation, doesn't mean he was created, but that he took on flesh and that he was part of creation in that sense. Firstborn means not that he was created first, but that he's preeminent above all other creation. That's helpful, yes. And so we need to understand those words uh, there. But also, worship. What's the first commandment? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And then uh, the second, you shall not make unto thee any graven image or bow down to it or worship it or do anything. But what do we find in Philippians, in the Kenosis passage, mm-hmm. how he, though being in the form of God, did not think it robbery to be equal to with God, but emptied himself. But then what does it say? That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue mm-hmm. confess that well, Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. So he is to be worshipped, and yet God only is to be worshipped. Oh, yeah, absolutely. One is required, when we talk about the Scripture as a whole, to think biblically and theologically. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is not a a narrow-minded, you might say, approach where you're only looking at the literal words, which we do and must. Mm -hmm. But we are also reflecting and drawing inferences from those words, and when you put them together... Mm-hmm. You have a marvelous picture of who Jesus is. In fact, that passage that Mark mentioned about Jesus being the firstborn should be understood uh, as well in the context of the primogenitor heir in the Old Testament. He's hmm. the firstborn, therefore he is the heir of God. Right. And it is through him that we become heirs ourselves mm-hmm. by having an elder brother who will take care of us and through whom we have airship. Hmm. That is, a, a again, a, a wonderful picture. Hmm. And when you begin to put things together in that way, you have uh, clearly that Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. The second person of the Trinity, truly God. For it says also in Colossians, and Mark quoted it from Uh, John's Gospel, the prologue, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. And he goes on to affirm all things were created through him and for him. There's the airship. But also, he is the agent of creation. (laughs) It's it's right. uh, you have to think theologically, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and there is a mindset uh, in some cults. I'll have to say it's mainly among the cults that simply refuse, I think, to see the implications of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With a cult leader, it's easy to put the blinders on and dive down deep into a very narrow passage and try to make consistency out of their own little system but not allow you to see the whole picture all of or, the or not know enough about the language such as son of god mm. yeah. just simply being ignorant mm-hmm. of what that right. means in its context right. now you fellows have been using a big term here trinity mm. and um, how are we to understand that term in light of the whole Bible. Is it a term that appears in the Bible? It is, and that's the problem with a lot of these. They don't see that term in the Bible. And the Bible doesn't have that term in it. But mm-hmm. it has the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in it. Yeah. And so when we start looking at that and we start thinking theologically, uh, that term 
uh, came to be as one that is very descriptive of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. how they are not three gods, one God, and yet uh, distinct uh, from each other, and yet one in unity. Well, the word Trinity itself probably was used first by a North African theologian by the name of Tertullian. And now he lived uh, in the late 2nd, early 3rd century, I believe. Mark, you might know his exact dates. I I don't remember his exact dates, but you're right. About Um, 2nd century, very early on. Yes, very early on. And he used that to describe these formula that we find in the New Testament. Mm. For instance, go forth and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. How do you describe that? (laughs) Well, Trinity means Mm tri-unity. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've what? You've seen the Father. You've seen the Father. And so he's describing something very profound. And sometimes we do have to use or coin words to describe things that we see. He was not trying to invent something. He was trying to describe something Mm -hmm. that he saw in the plain teaching of the Bible. Are there other phrases that um, good men of God will use that are descriptive of concepts and ideas that naturally flow out of the Scriptures, but those phrases themselves are not found in Scripture? Well, there's, there's one very much associated uh, with Jesus, you you know the phrase, there's not an iota's difference. Mm-hmm. Well, the early church debated, in what way is Jesus like uh, the Father? Is he identical? Well, as to person, they are not. But as to being and essence, they are. So they use the word homoousia hmm. rather than homoousia. One means similar, the other means the same. Homoousia means the same. So in terms of power and glory and essence, Jesus is the same as the Father. (laughs) Uh, That is a wonderful word to use, and it's helpful to explain how Jesus relates to the Father. But he is a separate and distinct person. He is the Son. He relates to the Father as the Son. But there's lots of uh, passages in the Scripture that deal with uh, Jesus uh, being the son, we, we, Mark and I, I'm sure, as ministers, mm-hmm. can go through and point out that Jesus not only received worship, mm-hmm. he forgave sins. That's right. That's the other thing. <laughs> it really ticked off the Pharisees. It very How can he forgive sins? Yeah. Because only, only God, God they said, forgive can sin. forgive sins, oh, but he yes. yeah. forgives Sins and, and, and I love his response, especially at the one where the remember the <laughs> the four companions who lowered down the paralytic, uh-huh. you know. And, and as soon as he's there, he says, "My son, your sins are forgiven." Mm-hmm. And they're murmuring, and then he turns around and he says, "So that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, take up your bed and walk." Yeah. <laughs> and here's another thing: when he gets up to preach his first sermon. Yeah. He quotes, what is it, Isaiah the prophet? Isaiah, yeah. And he says to them, this prophecy today is fulfilled in your hearing. Mm. Yeah, he is. is the fulfillment or the embodiment of the kingdom of God, yeah. mm-hmm. which came with power. And there, what does he do? Forgives sins, heals the sick, mm-hmm. uh, relieves the poor, uh, all mm-hmm. the things that God uh, promised in the Old Testament that when he would come in a direct way to reign, and here he is reigning in his son, 
Jesus Christ. I'm looking at the clock here, gentlemen. We're almost out of time for this broadcast today. We have about one more minute or so to wrap up some thoughts. And uh, we're looking today at the subject of, is Jesus God? And how that flows naturally from the scriptures. We've mentioned the Trinity. We've covered a number of scripture verses and passages and concepts which naturally flow from the scriptures. How do you want to summarize what we've talked about so far today? It looks like maybe we need to continue this discussion even into next week. Yeah, one of the things I would say is the great importance of the deity of Jesus Christ is because he is God, he is able to forgive sins. That sacrifice on the cross was sufficient to forgive sins. If he was just another man... He couldn't have taken away anybody's sins but his own. A good point. Uh, that is uh, crucial. Uh, the famous uh, uh, Anselm wrote the book, Cur Deus Homo, Why Did mm-hmm. God Become Man? God became man, and he says, to redeem us, to mm-hmm. die for our sins in our place. And his cross, his atonement has eternal value because he is an eternal being. That's right. Mm. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to have you in the studio here today on this Saturday. This is Redeemer Broadcasting's A Plain Answer, and we take your questions and try to answer them here in the studio. Feel free to email them to us or write us a note. Even leave them on our toll-free line. That number is 888-724-4427. Today in the studio has been the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York, and Dr. John Vance, pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. I'm Dan Elmendorf, inviting you to join us next week at this same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. Pray.